welcome to The Healthy Beast. Today I'm joined by Claire Brenner, who is CEO of a genetic testing company called Myogenes. Now I've just been sent, welcome Claire, I've just been sent the diet health and fitness test yeah. through the post. So I've done my swab and sent it off and I'm awaiting my results. What is it going to change my approach to health and fitness? You know what? It's about removing the whole trial and error of diets and fad dieting. So what this does, it looks, it's a very simple saliva test, as you know, and it looks at the genes that are associated with many different parts of your body, how your genes influence your metabolism, your body's vitamin and mineral needs, the influences on your eating habits to your, your metabolism to alcohol and caffeine and lactose intolerance, gluten intolerance. Um, and it also looks at the sports genes. So you've got a lot of people that are going to the gym and they might be doing weights and they're thinking, why nothing is happening? But actually, you know, their, ge their genetics is much more suited to maybe anaerobics or running. So it looks at that, your exercise but also if you're prone to injury, so tissue injury or um, Achilles heel, and then also how you recover, how your genes will help you, you know, post-exercise recovery. It's there for life. So if you, you know, want to go off and, you know, have a whole weekend of, of you know, having your favourite takeaways, um, it doesn't matter. You could go back to it because it, your genes don't change from the day you're born. I suppose this... this um... That brings me on to the the one thing that I that makes me a little bit cynical about these things because yeah. I kind of think, well, we all want to do eat, eat the best food we can if we and exercise as well as we can. And generally speaking, good things are good for people, bad things are bad for people. So it's not like you're going to look at the results and suddenly start eating bad food and stopping exercise. But you get this, you get a detailed report, right? So it's going to break down every little area and tell you okay some of the, these foods aren't harmful for you whereas they might be for other people but it doesn't kind of give you carte blanche to eat and eat and drink what you want that kind of thing. well no but it also so um there was one gentleman did it and he said oh i don't eat carbohydrates and i don't have this and i still can't lose weight but actually his genetics meant that he responds well to carbohydrates so actually him cutting it out and, you know, depriving himself of bread and pasta, potatoes was actually wasn't making a lot of difference because of his genetics. So because he responded well. So all of a sudden he's like, well, actually, I can have carbohydrates and, you know, I, I'm very low in vitamin, this or that. But actually, but um, I'm actually starting to lose weight now. So it's really individual. So it, it, it's personalizing your health and personalizing your diet and personalizing your fitness. So taking away all of the, you know, just uh, eat soup or eat proteins or just drink liquids. This is really looking at you. And also, you know, you might be low in your vitamin B6 or B12. And this will show you what and the results. I don't think you've had your results yet, Richard. I don't think you have it's broken down into chapters and then each page will explain it so say if you're looking at the b6 it will there's a little sort of paragraph what is b6 and then there's a paragraph is called you know your response to b6 so it will tell you how you are with b6 and then the final thing will be recommendations so what to do about it you know, we, we often say with these results, it's great if you can then go to a dietitian or nutritionist, which we can refer you to, who then can make you a, you know, customized diet. But even if you don't do that, it tells you what to do. 
So um, potassium, sodium, vitamin E, if you are how you respond to alcohol, if you are lactose intolerant or actually drinking coffee at four o'clock is not really going to make a lot of difference to your sleep or equally it might do. So it really, really does look down and break it down so well um, and so easy to read and to be able to do something about it. So it actually goes as far as giving you uh, specific things like your reaction to a big food group like carbohydrates. It's you, you can you can actually because carbohydrates is one where it's still such a hugely important part of our diet. But most people who know about these things say that really when most of us eat far too much carbohydrate so really it it tells you specifically actually for you it's okay so I might get some good carbohydrate news yeah you absolutely might do that it doesn't mean that you have to go and eat you know 10 pizzas but you you know it can you can stop having to deprive yourself of all the nice the the white food the pastas and the um the bread ones that we all really like to eat yeah especially in the winter and especially in lockdown it's real sort of comfort food white food you know we we all think we we need in the cold weather well I've noticed with my kids that you know you, you obviously try and feed your kids healthily but you could just give them white bread and they'd be they'd be delighted I don't know what it is in the stuff but you know they don't get that as their main meal here but if they got the chance you give them white rolls they'd be delighted absolutely absolutely we never quite lose that hunger for these starchy things do we no because I think that you do connect them to that they're comfy you know you feel nice when you have them but I give my um my younger says like this 50 50 bread so it's like it's a it's half and half so she uh, thinks she's getting the white bread but actually you know there's a little bit of brown bread in there as well sneaking it in there like they did with Donald Trump you know making sneaking the vegetables and the good stuff in there yeah you mentioned vitamins though so but this test it doesn't it doesn't test how well I've been living it's just genetics right so it doesn't tell me and it's not analysis it doesn't tell me it's not analysis of, of of things in the body it's just what you're what you're prone to so what you might naturally need more of so things you might need to add into your diet if if your genetics tell you so yes your body for you for Richard it will say your vitamin and mineral needs what you need and therefore how to get it so you know if you're a bad uh, responder to b6 it will say what you need to do to be able to up your levels of b6 now, this is the second this is the second genetic test I've done. The first one is with probably the best known genetic company out there, 23 and me. Now, I suppose most people they do they do a, a kind of susceptibility to illness one as well, but most people do it, I think, for hereditary reasons, out of curiosity. I think most people, it was probably white people like me hoping to discover they had some exotic blood, uh, which I didn't. I, was, I just found out I was even whiter than I thought. <laughs> I was actually one one 200th Jewish was about as exotic as it got for me. But but what what I mean is for me, that was the kind of end of the journey with 23andMe. And I think, you know, it was a, it was a curiosity thing. Whereas this, you know, it's it's something that's going to, as you're saying, you want to take it with you and kind of tailor your lifestyle according to it. You did this test yourself, I presume at some point, did it inform you in ways that you found useful? Yeah, it did. You know, it um, told me that, you know, my my vitamin B12 is, is low, you know, that I need to really up that. And also that, I have a very a very slow metabolism for alcohol, so that's why I can just sort of like take one sip of, of a glass of wine and I'm drunk. 
it's the exercise that I need to work on because I've actually, you know, with food, I'm actually quite, I don't need to sort of lose body weight, but I do need to exercise more. But it, it's it's a lifestyle. And, and I think that the time to do it is when you're ready to do something about it. I think it's, it's a nice to have if you just do it. But if you actually want to change your lifestyle, then that's the time to do it because you've got to work with it. So it's one thing getting a, a lovely book of, you know, the results It's about a 110 pages report and people say, oh, they love having it. You know, they, they print it out and they put it on their coffee table and it's, you know, 110 pages all about me, which is great. But if you want to do something about it, then that's the time to take the test because you really, it's, it's so informative and it is something that you can always go back to if, if you, you know, go away for a couple of weeks and you just think, oh, I'm just going to do whatever. You know, I, I'm just going to eat everything that I shouldn't eat. But why not? You know, life's too short. But then you can go back and you can go back to it and you don't have to think, oh, my goodness, which diet shall I start now? You know, the cabbage diet or the soup diet, because this is really about you. But I like this idea. I think you're right in saying you've got to want to do it because you can't force people to make themselves healthier. But when you actually did, have made this decision, and I think I did probably about 10 years ago and having kids and deciding it's time to live as long as I possibly can and enjoy the rest of my life as much as I can. Once you once you make this decision, actually finding out information about how well you are is quite difficult because you only really go, most people anyway, they go to medical professions when something's wrong. Yeah. You know, you break something or you're sick, you go to the doctor. But other than that, you stay away. And if you want to kind of MOT, it's quite difficult to get. I think that in the in the UK, we're, we, as you say, we go to the doctor when we are well, uh, you know, when we're not well, I mean, you, it's not, we're not good at preventative medicine. And I think that's why I went into myogenes and I wanted to do, I wanted to be able to offer people the chance to personalize your health, really, to really look at yourself and take control of you. And that's why I, I absolutely, I'm privileged to love what I do every single day, you know, working with people and working with doctors, working with patients and really offering them a chance to take back control that's what we're doing now we're, but it is all through genetics I mean genetics is the future of medicine and without a doubt you know one of the tests we do is looking at um, different medications and what will work best for you it's called pharmacogenetics and in the future no way will people put a pill in their mouth and think oh I wonder what it's going to do to me you know our children's children's children are going to say what you, you mean you just went and you took a pill and you didn't know what's going to happen to you you know it's crazy when you think of it like that and that's what you know one of the tests we do and that's incredible because you know most people um, are on especially over the age of 60 65 people are on multiple medicines polypharmacy and you know you, you're taking all these different medications and you don't actually know a if they're working for you or B, how they're, they're reacting to each other, you know, the drug-drug interaction. And what we're doing is being able to show that and, and helping patients, but helping the doctors as well prescribe the right medication. I want to pick, pick you up on one word you said there, which probably needs explaining to 99.9% .9 of people out there, which is pharmacogenomics or pharmacogenetics, as you sometimes see it written. So it's these two pharma plus genomics. So, so basically how medicine reacts with you according to your, your genetics. And it does seem crazy, really, that still it's just medicine is one size fits all. So no matter how big you are or old you are or what your genetics are you're given take one of these three times a day and there's a very interesting 
fact on your website, which I saw, which is that the NHS spends 1.6 billion a year on people who suffer from adverse drug reactions. And that's just within the NHS. So presumably in the private sector, it's a lot more. So billions of pounds spent on people suffering adverse drug reactions. Presumably people suffer adverse drug reactions for lots of reasons. But you're saying that a lot of that money could be saved and presumably the lives and the suffering if we did the genetic testing, this pharma genomic pharma pharmacogenetic testing yes absolutely we when i started i went straight to the to the top really and the chair of pharmacogenetics for the uk for the nhs is a professor his name's professor sir manir per mohammed and i spoke to him and i said look i want to start offering pharmacogenetics and he was just said he said um pharmacogenetics is here we should be using it um and it was actually his his quote um, that, about the NHS spending the 1.6 billion pounds, and he said they are. It's repeat hospital, you know, repeat doctor appointments, hospital stays, um, and we now can. We have the the, the capability now of, of being able to do this and offering offer this. And he said, you know, he's called the disruptor because when he talks about it, you know, there's a, there are a lot of doctors that say, you know, will say, oh no, well, why do we need that? You know, that uh, we're, we're, we're good as we are, but actually we're not, you know, we're, it is not the best patient care for, for it, a lot of it is obviously on the economics, which is also suffering, but it's a patient who has to go through this. And, you know, sometimes it's fatal. They will die from adverse drug reactions. And now there is a way and um, he actually launched us um, and did a, did a talk for us um, all about pharmacogenetics in the UK and saying, you know, it is here. So slowly, slowly, they are accepting um, it. But also, so we, we started offering it and now we have, you know, been able to go into the NHS quite a bit. But also the, the, the uh, one that is so hugely, hugely desperately needed is in in uh, psychiatric medication because any psychiatrist will say to you it is total trial and error when they see a patient and they want to prescribe maybe an antidepressant mood stabilizer an adhd medication an antipsychotic it is total total trial and error you know they will prescribe maybe to start with um, an ssri and say try this medication and let's give it four to six weeks and let's see um, how you are after that then let's maybe play around with the dosage or we'll try something else and by which time the patient is obviously hugely suffering cost has gone up remarkably and the patient is also losing faith in their doctor and in themselves and you know the damage that can be done is huge huge amount of damage to the patient, huge amount of cost to the the NHS or to the patient's pocket if they're private. When one simple saliva test can show which medication would be best for that particular patient, as well as dosage. So if they're a very, very slow metabolizer, you know, you need to lower their dosage because they will, you know, the, the, the drug will stay around in their body far too long. Equally, if they're a very rapid, ultra rapid metabolizer, you know, you need to up their dosage because um, they're going through the medicine far too quickly. And, um, you know, you need to up their dosage. And it is something so simple. It's saliva. It's a very non-invasive saliva test that can really change lives for the better. So 
If, um, if this test is so simple and with psychiatric medicine, it, it's total trial and error, as you said, why, why is everyone not being tested before they're given psychiatric drugs? Cost, cost. The, the thing with the um, a lot of medicine and in the NHS, they don't, people don't, the, the medical profession, they don't want to spend money before they have to. So this is like a preventative and we're not very good, as I said, in the UK of, of dealing with preventative medicine. And this is preventing something from happening before it does. And this is by saying that, yes, maybe, you know, the first time someone tries in a very mild antidepressant or, you know, an SSRI, an SNRI, maybe this will work and, and they might feel better. And that's great. And therefore, why spend money on having to find the right medication? But actually, in the majority, it's not going to work. And, you know, for something like for schizophrenia, for an antipsychotic um, you know, 1% of the population in the UK will have schizophrenia. At one point, one time in their lifetime, they will have, you know, an antipsychotic episode or episodes. But actually, only 50% of that 1% are actually on medication. And only 5% of them will be on the right medication. So, you know, you, you can see that actually it, the the, the population, we are crying out for personalised medicine. So you said, only, can I just pick up, check up on those numbers with you? You said only, so 1% of people would have a psychotic episode at some point. Only 50% of them are on medication and only 1% are on the right medication. No, about five, so there's a, um, a antipsychotic drug called clozapine. And only five percent of the of the the one the zero point five percent that are on medication will be given clozapine because clozapine has serious side effects. Fifty out of two hundred and fifty on clozapine will have severe side effects, and one in two hundred and fifty people that are given clozapine will actually die, fatal side effects. So that's huge. But so for say something like that psychiatrists are very very reluctant to prescribe it we now have a we are we now have a genetic test that can looks at clozapine and can let the psychiatrist know how that person in a percentage wise will react to clozapine that's just one example we do you know we do one test just for clozapine but then we do one that looks at all different medications you know even sleep even pain so codeine you know how a patient will respond to different pain medications and it's it's life-changing and it's you know for us for myogenes we are one of the first companies in the UK offering psychiatric personalized medicine which is great but it's also we are also having to educate the market as well to let people know that actually this exists. So it's twofold. It's it's letting the, the, the medical profession know that we exist and also letting the public know so that the public can then ask for it. And until that, you know, it becomes very widespread, you know, the costs are quite high. Um, but actually in on reflection, they're not. Because if you put a patient in an inpatient for mental health, it's about four to seven hundred pounds a day to have an inpatient. You know, this particular test is 
595 plus VAT, which is almost one day in, in hospital, we'll be able to get somebody on the right medication. As you mentioned before, that you said before that cost was the barrier, but as, as you're saying this, and presumably the, the costs would be dwarfed, as you say, days in hospital, having to go back to see doctors, further medication when the previous medication hasn't worked. I mean, there is a cost, but as I say, presumably the cost is small compared to the cost in monetary and human terms if you if we use the wrong medication, yeah. right? So really, cost shouldn't be a barrier at this point. It's just getting someone to pay for that initial cost. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, and, and again, it's the, NA, it's the NHS with that mindset of prevent. We don't really do preventative. We do it when it happens. So if somebody then has, you know, isn't responding to a medication or has a severe adverse reaction to medication, then they have to go to a hospital. But actually that could be avoided. And, you know, the, the, what we should be looking at is the most important thing is the patient. And for me, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a personal story why I'm so passionate about the mental health you know unfortunately my my sister tragically passed away 15 years ago from mental health and when she after she she passed away my parents and I were speaking with her psychiatrist and you know I didn't know anything about this and it was 15 years ago and I said well why was my sister why was Tanya on so many different medications and why was she on such high dosages and why when she went from you know she was you know she would go her weight would fluctuate and sometimes she would be large and sometimes she would be tiny and when she passed away she was really really tiny um, but she was on such high dosage and I said why 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 and they said to me Claire sometimes we just don't know Um, and now we do know. And now that we know, I want the world to know. And in fact, one, you know, her psychiatrists now offer this test because now we do know and we do know what what would be right for a patient. And everyone should have the right to be able to access this test and be able to know which medication that they will respond to and what dose is right for them. And that's where I sort of my drive comes from for the for mental health. I'm very sorry to hear about your sister and very admirable what you've managed to do about it so far has the reaction been from the medical profession in general have you had people digging in their heels a lot you know what no because we use a lab that um, has been around for 11 years and they've done over 300,000 tests so it's not a new test we're not reinventing the wheel and what there is behind it there's all the scientific evidence so there's all the papers written on it there's all the evidence behind every gene that's looked at. So, you know, we're not saying we're not giving somebody a whole load of data and saying this is your results. And, you know, there's not a lot you can do with it. With every gene that is checked, there is the evidence behind it. So actually, the skeptics do say to me, well, you know, how do we know this? And how do we know that? And, you know, once I they, they go through the papers and they see it and then they're like, well, yeah, we, we can't, you can't argue with this. You can't argue with science and you can't argue with evidence. That is a beauty. So yes, I mean, it, it really is. It, it, it's a no brainer. You know, I, I've been to lot wards where we see um, people have, say, patients with schizophrenia or different mental health illnesses. And they say that we can't get these patients out of hospital because we can't find the right medication. And, you know, one of the main reasons why people stop taking medication is because of the side effects they don't feel well you know they they, it's not working for them 
but no one's really listening and they're trying and they're trying and they'll say, we'll try this then and try that. And in the end, nothing is really working. So they stop taking the medication. And when they stop taking the med- medication, they can't get them out of hospital. So it, it's, you know, it's a catch 22. And actually spending this, the, the price of one test, as you say, it doesn't, it doesn't add up, you know, why wouldn't you let a patient have this? And you're going to save thousands and thousands and, you know, in the end, millions and, you know, one, one point. 6 billion pounds if, if you get people on the right medication it does seem it does seem amazing that in this day and age people would still be using trial and error with drugs you know take this and hope you'll be okay but at the moment the, you know this is a private company so if someone's seeing an nhs doctor and they were listening to this and they thought they wanted to be tested is there any mechanism for getting the funding via the nhs well, we, we're working now, we, we are trying to, and some NHS trusts will cover it because they realise actually that their patients are so so sick and so ill and they can't find the right medication, so they are covering it. But it's a very slow process, but we are working. We work with consultants at both you know practice in the NHS and the private, and they're using it in the private. And actually some are saying to their NHS patients, that look there is a test available um but it you know it is private and some of the you know the nhs patients they you know either their family or they have savings and they are choosing to pay for it because it changes your life you know um the very very first test we did was on a 26 year old girl who actually wrote to us Maya jeans and said, you know, this has saved my life because for the first time I actually wake up and I feel like, hey, you know, this is worth getting out of bed for. And I I feel happy. And, you know, you can't actually put a price on that. And we now are working with a company so that we can, people can pay monthly. I think they can pay up to 10 months, over 10 months. So that's, you know, that's another avenue that, you know, we've, we've tried to explore with people. And at the moment, we, we do what we can to try and help. And, um, you know, some, as I say, some NHS trusts are now offering it because they're thinking that actually, you know, obviously it is a, a huge cost saving for, for the NHS as well. Yeah, presumably they wouldn't have to do particularly complicated calculations to see how much money they could save in the long term. But there are still... There are still the majority of trusts saying no, I'm presuming. So it's a question of whether we can push them into doing more. And presumably costing £595 now, the more, presumably with these tests, the more that they're done, the cost will come down. Is that right? Or is it? It is. Yes. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure it will. We are exploring all the time. We do for... Um, another test that we've managed to keep the cost right down for is for hereditary cancer and we do one for that looks at 25 hereditary cancers um, and we do one that looks at breast and ovarian cancer and that we look at 15 genes which includes I don't know if you've heard of the BRCA1 and BRCA2 genes and that is if you have this particular gene, your likelihood of getting breast cancer goes up to um, 85%, which a huge, a huge percentage and a huge odds that you really don't want to, to play with. Um, and in fact, it was Angelina Jolie that um, 
really brought light to this, that um, she has this gene and she chose to have a double mastectomy and a hysterectomy. And if you have that, then obviously your risk goes back down to everyone else's. So it's not going to say, well, you're never going to get breast cancer. But what it does, it brings down the, you know, the, the percentage of risk to everyone else, which really when when the risk of goes up to 85% if you have that gene, you know, you really don't want to play with those odds. But trying to get that um, test on the NHS, you have to do a reach certain points. And, you know, we have many people that don't reach this. And in fact, when a close friend of mine who sadly passed away three years ago, she had breast cancer. And the doctor said, you know, she asked, she said, you know what, I'd like to see if I've got this um, gene, because if I do, then, you know, presumably the, the chemotherapy changes, which it does. But with breast cancer, she went to the NHS and said, you know, can I have the bracket? And they said, you don't qualify for it. And when she looked to, to get this done, it was £1,600. And she had to pay that. And she did have the gene. And because she has the gene, she had the gene, she'd been for the first year being given the wrong kinds of chemotherapy. And chemotherapy, years chemotherapy or chemotherapy for a, a patient on the NHS is £45,000. But she had this and it was too late for her. And, and sadly, the cancer came back and it spread. Um, and she, she passed away. But her daughter who um, was then 18 had the test and she does have the gene but she's now got the uh, the choice so she's with the the expression knowledge is power she knows and she will have a double mastectomy and she won't have to go through this um, but what I did promise to my friend Joe, I said I will find the best test and I will make it much more readily available which we've done and in fact, our test looks at the, the, the BRCA1, the BRCA2, and 13 other genes that can be associated with breast cancer, breast and ovarian. One of them is a PALB2. And we can offer this test to doctors for 300 and I think it's 330 um, plus fat which is a big difference. But unlike other companies, the results always have to go back to a doctor and to the pa patient's doctor, or we can refer them to a doctor because it's still very much you know, misunderstood that if you've got this uh, a gene, a mutation, it doesn't mean that you've actually got cancer. So therefore it must go that, you know, pre and post counseling is vital. In, in, you know, in our views that we we won't let the patient just get the results themselves. But, you know, we, we're able to offer this test. And if you, you know, I always say try the NHS first, but, you know, if you don't qualify, at least it's slightly more affordable. It's a terribly, it's a terribly sad story about your friend. So so for, for a relatively small cost, they, they, she's ended up she's ended up costing the NHS a vast amount of money and that that's before you even get on to the obviously the terrible terrible human costs of losing her life yeah. or because or because it wasn't you know you can you can go to the NHS and they can tell you if you have breast cancer but they can't tell you if you're or aren't prepared to fund the test to tell you if you're genetically predisposed and of course with Angelina Jolie people thought at first oh she's got breast cancer but in fact she didn't have breast cancer she just found out she was genetically predisposed and was taking action early which is something that a lot of people would have the have the option of if if this was available on the NHS but it's not you can ask and they'll say no, no. And, and in fact in the in the Jewish population one in 40 Jewish women will have this gene and there's a professor called Professor Ranjit Machanda an oncologist and he has written a paper 
to say actually it would be economical for the NHS if every Jewish woman was tested because if they have this gene you can do something about it because if you do nothing about it and they then get breast cancer it's going to cost the NHS a lot of money um, and you know that's without as you say the human side is just you know you can't even there is a, again it, it's preventative because if you can you know know if you've got the knowledge you can do something about it you know if you have a history of cancer in the family we do we have 50% of our mother's genes and 50% of our father's genes and you know that obviously goes back then they have their their parents so you know you are going to inherit your family genes and if it is in the family you know it does make sense to have a genetic test because if it's if it's um, if it's for like if a man for prostate you know the BRCA2 is uh, found in for men with prostate um, you can do something about it you know you have regular checkups you know you can have endoscopies all the different you know we, we don't say that we're not here to scare people and say oh everyone must have a you know hereditary cancer test um, not at all but if you have a family history um, and in fact, we can refer someone to a genetic oncologist who will do can do a family tree with somebody. So, you know, equally, they will say, no, actually, it's your risk is so low that we wouldn't advise you to have a genetic test, a hereditary cancer test. But if you're, you know, you have a family history, it does make sense for somebody to have that genetic test. So you've got the control and the knowledge. You mentioned pain medication before. Uh, this is a subject I'm quite interested in personally because I spent some years on various opioids after, uh, not years, but for a couple of periods of time after serious leg breaks and have become convinced that these things, other than possibly immediately post-surgery, opioids are not things that people should be taking long term at all whereas you try you, you know it's incredibly easy to get them from your doctor is is there is there anything within your testing that could tell me that maybe they're they're, they're okay for certain people genetically or yes, so the, the, the test that we do we do a full pharmacogenetics so we do one just for mental health and then we do a full pharmacogenetics and that looks at all different panels. So that covers cardiology, rheumatology, neurology, oncology. It actually covers psychiatry as well, urology. And that looks at all different medications. Um, it checks over about 350 now medications on the market and how it will work for that individual and also, again, the, the dosage because it looks at the metabolism, it looks at the pharmacokinetic genes, and that's to deal, deal with the metabolism. So dosage, and again, that will look at the drug-drug interaction. So if you are on, say, a cardio, um, a warfarin, and you are on a statin, and you are on a, um, a pain management, it's how those medications will interact, what dosage, and if they're actually right for you. So if you would know, if you would have known after you had your leg injuries, your breaks, which 
pain management would work for you. You could take that, you would, it would work for you. Um, and also the dosage. I mean, you might, if somebody, you know, really, really is such a rapid metabolizer and your doctor's just giving you the standard dose, it's not really going to touch the sides. And, you know, then you might think that one's not working. So then you try another one and no, no, that's not working, but actually it is working, but you're just on the wrong dose. So absolutely pain management is so crucial. Have you looked um, at CBD and medical cannabis? Um, we, yeah, we don't, we, we don't um, do that. There is there. Um, I don't, you know, I, I, I wouldn't, I can't talk on that. And the only thing is that um, my husband has Parkinson's and we've spoken about it to his um, neurologist who has said that um, they don't really have enough evidence what it could do to some of the um, neurology medications. So, you know, people take it, people swear by it, but um, it's not something that I know, you know, I, I would recommend because I don't know enough about it. I just wondered if, with you know, with t testing people's genetic susceptibility to various medicines, it would be quite interesting because I think in, in pain, this is, it's going to be huge. And I think, you know, because the, the craziness of the opioids can only carry on so long. And you got, I mean, I, I get cannabis on prescription. Yeah. I have to, I have to pay for it and it's incredibly expensive. Um, but it's, you know, it's one of the things I wanted to try to see if, how it compared to to the medications that the, the health service offered and it's um i mean it's it's night and day different you know you can you can you can take it and you can live a normal life and you can exercise and you can sleep and you can eat whereas if you if you're on a a dosage a proper dosage of opioids they really you know the effect on your life is quite quite significant and the effect on your long-term health is potentially terrible and, and certainly not good so i mean i think and it's one of these ones my experience of the nhs is that they're they're sitting on their hands with this as well they don't no one wants to commit to anything they're kind of they they're very good at letting the status quo continue even if the status quo is tons of people addicted to opioids and lots of them dying mm -hmm. it's still you don't have to put your head above the parapet you just let it continue I feel I'm starting to rant about opioids again. It's something yeah, but I do. It's, it's, as you say, given half a yeah, time. you feel you feel um, you know passionate about, it, and you do. And I think sometimes, unless you've um, experienced something or you know someone that has, you know, you don't really, you can't really empathise. Um, but when it does happen to you or somebody close to you, you know, you can see it's debilitating if someone is on the wrong medication yeah and i think you know people talk about inertia in the medical system and the medical profession and it's you know it doesn't just change all the time for very good reasons you know it's supposed to be conservative because it's you know, it's dealing with, with a small c it's dealing with people's health and you don't want it to go changing its mind all the time but when there are things that are clearly you know we're not going to when, as you say, we're not going to be giving out psychiatric medicine in 50 years and just hoping it works. It's a time scale. And this for you sounds like you're, you're, 
you're pushing the NHS as, as hard as you can, but the more, more of them to get on board as quickly as you can. So we don't have a situation like your sister and your friend who, you know, suffered because of mistakes that we can see are mistakes already. Yeah. And the, the other thing is that, you know, your genetics never change from the day you're born. So if you did one of the, the pharmacogenetic tests, what if you need to go on something in the future, you know what it is. Or if you were going, you know, you go um, abroad and you have you know you get taken into hospital but you know you don't know you know they might they might just give you something that actually you know is just really going to cause even more problems even fatal whereas if you know what you can and you can't take you know it just it just makes sense are other countries further ahead in this than us yes yeah so america are um israel are um, and you've got some um, European countries that are, Germany are, and, and we are, you know, what we say is that, you know, genetics um, is the future of medicine, but for myogenes, it's very much the here and now. We're doing it. You know, we, we, can, we can do this right now, and it is all done by a very simple saliva test, so no bloods involved at all. Well, yeah, the, the couple of doctors I, I mentioned uh, this interview too they they were talking about yeah we'll see things in the future but yeah your message is the future is now and now's the time to be doing yes this. yes and you know what we're here to chat as well you know if a doctor or a patient wants to know more we are very very happy to speak to anybody what we do is for the pharmacogenetics one that we will set up the doctor um, with the laboratory to talk about that patient so it doesn't matter if you know you haven't done um, genetics since medical school you don't you know you're not expected to get a report and just be able to know exactly what to do with it we make sure that every doctor has that call and with the lab and they really understand and they can really talk about their patient as a whole because you know some of the environment will will um, affect it too you know do you exercise you know drink are you overweight are you underweight because obviously that will affect the way um, a medication can work so a doctor can speak to the lab about their patient as a whole and discuss the best possible treatment plan you know the doctor's clinical judgment is always the most important um, but now what we offer is a tool to really help them make the, the, the best judgment um, and the best choice possible for that patient. Fantastic. So if people want to find out more, the website is myogenes, myogenes.com. And they can find out more. You can book personal tests or if you're talking to your doctor, speak to them about it. And you, you can email us on info at myogenes.com or go to the website or call us 0208. 3871266 and call us you know we are we're here to help and to answer any questions amazing well thanks very much it's been very illuminating and best of luck with your work claire brenner from myogenes thank you very much thank you very much richard thank you Thanks again to Claire Brenner, CEO of Myogenes. Find out more at myogenes, M-Y-O-G-E-N-E-S.com. You can send an email to info at myogenes.com. Healthy Beast is healthybeastpodcast.com on Instagram. We are Healthy Beast Podcast. Thank you very much for listening. <laughs>